Well, welcome to another episode of Breakaway from the Rat Race. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Pasha Espandieri. Uh, Pasha started his career in real estate in 2011, flipping homes, found that the auction starting in Nevada and then in California. Pasha has since been involved in over $250 million in transactions across all kinds of different asset classes like residential homes, boutique motels, purchasing and management of large multifamily properties, and mobile home park communities. Uh, Pasha is also the co-founder of uh, Evoke Capital and an ex-professional poker player. Pasha, welcome to the show. Thank you. I appreciate being here, man. Well, it's a pleasure. I think uh, one of the things, you know, 2011 and 2000, you know, this is a very short period of time. Uh, a, a lot of people are telling me, oh, it takes forever to kind of uh, grow and make millions of dollars in, in real estate and stuff like that. I mean, you started your career in real estate in 2011. Mm -hmm. And here we are only like a few, just a little bit over 10 years later through a pandemic, uh, you know, and then here you are $250 million in transactions across all these different yeah. asset classes. So tell us about kind of like, obviously you're, you're the, it's possible. Yeah, so of course. I, tell us about that kind of like that mindset, how you got started in, in 2011 mm -hmm. and uh, you know, where you came from and why you decide to, to go in that direction. Yeah, sure. I, I would love to, actually, I would love to paint a little bit of a picture of, you know, yeah. speaking, speaking to the audience, you know, <clears throat> when I was 26 and, and this is no exaggeration at all, I was very depressed, really kind of going nowhere very quickly in life. I had decided to stop playing uh, professional poker at that time. I was living in my dad's condo in Las Vegas and 2011 rolled up. And I always knew I wanted to get in real estate and I quit playing uh, poker and I quit chasing the poker dream. And I knew I had to start on the bottom because I, I made good money in poker. Don't get me wrong. But I also blew it as fast as I could. Like I was good, but I also blew the money. I had no like uh, bankroll management or money management at that time. And so that was kind of a, hard pill to swallow. And like everything, the way I approach life is I want to get an education first. And I, so I went and got my license because I needed, you know, the data from the MLS and I wanted to start that, but I am also good with people. And so I had a pretty vast network just because of my poker background. And I started to be a salesman or a broker at that point. I didn't intend to be because I only wanted to do it as an investor, but I made some pretty good money doing that. I made some money playing poker and I started saving up my, enough money uh, rather kind of quickly within about six months to go and flip my first home uh, in Las Vegas. And I did that in 2011 while I was also trying to really uh, learn who I was as an adult um, and relearn everything and get out of my depression and relearn about uh, the, the, my psyche, about emotional intelligence, about the world uh, at the same time, which was a quite an a <laughs> interesting time. So I can say that you know, you can kind of start off anywhere and really create your dreams. And, you know, from there to now, it's, I still pinch myself thinking about it. Well, I'm, I'm just shocked that you had, you were depressed. Uh, I mean, we've met a few times and you, this, uh, this guy is like full of life, fun. <laughs> and uh, I'm just shocked that uh, this, this is how you were before. Yeah, the, it's actually, you know, it's, it's quite fascinating because I tell people this now. But the majority of my life, um, well, I was severely depressed. I was very shelled up as, as, as a human, really, you know, um, a lot of just like childhood trauma. Mm -hmm. um, and it just stuck with me and what, how I 
uh, translated that into myself was I just, I, I shelled away from the world. I shelled away from relationships. I shelled away from really putting myself out there. And, and, and I was so afraid to fail at that time. Um, I learned all of this uh, through my personal development um, journey. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you met me back then to where you met me now, it, it truly is nine day and I'm not exaggerating whatsoever. I had, I was on social anxiety medication, um, wow. all of it. Yeah, it, it's uh, quite fascinating. But what I will say, being here now, I choose to be lively. I choose to be energetic. I choose to live the life that I do now because and only because of my past. And I'm so yeah. grateful for that, right? Like, so hard times suck. But if when you get over it, at least for me, I've always become those moments have been the best learning lessons that I've been able to take away for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess you, you kind of like you appreciate and you're grateful that, okay, well, this things are going well now. And then you kind of, uh, but break, breaking away from that pattern and uh, of depression and kind of like a down, downward spiral, I guess would, uh, yeah. yeah, so yeah, so that's good. So yeah, so it's, so you're saying, well, yeah, so it's, it's definitely a journey, I'm sure, uh, you know. It was. Yeah, so that's was, great. It, I have, I have this, um, you know, thing, I don't know why I'm even bringing it up, but it's, it's, everyone kind of makes fun of me for always saying it, but every single day, and I, and this sounds cliche, but it is what it is, whatever it's been my life. Um, I say, this is the best day of my life. And I say mm-hmm. that at least 20, 30 times a day, when any little good thing happens in my, in my day, I say, man, this is the best day of my life. Oh, wow. And like, even though like it, it just does like in that moment, I know I'm being silly, but subconsciously I just have great days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I used to uh, with my kids and even sometimes with myself too, like I just like when they were angry or they were upset or whatever, stuff like that, I would force, I said, just, uh, just smile yeah. and try to be angry while you're smiling. It's amazing how, you know, your physical is impacting your emotional. Yeah. Uh, you just can't be angry, upset and stuff like that. If you force yourself to smile and it's like, it's just impossible. And um, yeah, go ahead. If it's one thing that I've really learned, giving the background that I have, you can really and truly train your subconscious to be any certain way. That's the cool mm-hmm. thing about being human. Yeah, we can train ourselves to have mm-hmm. any kind of attitude. And so um, it, it takes hard work. And I'm not taking away from that. Some people are in really, really bad situations. But perspective yeah. is everything. And you know, I'm not trying to preach from my, my like high horse here, but yeah. we can change ourselves, we have the ability. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, you have to see, seek help and stuff like that. There are professionals out there that, that can help you do that, but know that it's possible uh, to, mm-hmm. to change and to, uh, to, you know, yeah, to, to get out of these uh, bad situation or bad uh, mental, uh, yeah, mental situations. Absolutely. So basically, uh, and then you, you grew, you grew from that. And then, you know, you basically exploded over uh, after a few years into all these different asset classes. So what brought you, for example, to invest in a boutique motel and to uh, multifamily business uh, mm-hmm. apartment buildings, I suspect, and mobile home park. And so what, what brought you into these other asset classes and why did you choose them? Yeah, you know, I think uh, something to really note here is I did residential and I did flipping and land up construction for many, many, many years. I think really at the end of the day, it became too slow for me. I have ADD, my brain works like all the time, nonstop. And I just, I really realized that the, the slow results for me weren't uh, conducive to like a lifestyle that I wanted to have. I wanted to be able to take down bigger deals. I wanted to, you know, have 
uh, faster results, AKA rents or, you know, things happening, expenses, whatnot. So once I really understood how my brain operated, I really tried to uh, change my life into making that happen. Uh, the boutique motel was actually quite an interesting story. I met, I met a, uh, my now partner at a Tony Robbins uh, seminar in Fiji and uh, he was a broker in Las Vegas and I had called him and he had taken down one motel already. And I said, Hey, I'm looking for about like a 30 to 50 unit um, apartment that I want to take down for myself. And he goes, you should buy this motel. And I said, I don't really want to buy it. I'm okay. He goes, Pasha, you should really look into this. The numbers are here. I have a motel literally right down the street. Let's partner up. I said, honestly, not don't want to do it. And the guy was persistent. He goes, why don't you do this? Just come down to Vegas and let me show you. So mm -hmm. I said, you know what, what do I have to lose? Let me go. And when, when he took me there, I saw the numbers, I saw the operation. I said, Hey, there's something here. And so we ended up partnering about two and a half years ago and bought this motel. So, I mean, uh, we got, we've done very well with that motel. Um, yeah. and we, we, we survived the pandemic and everything yeah. kind of went along with it. There were some hardships there. But now we're at the end. We literally just got done with all the renovations and whatnot uh, just recently. Wow. Um, oh. no, and then so, so for my multifamily journey, my goals are changing. I'm becoming an adult. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I, we, we want to have kids, me and my wife. And I wanted to create more of a passive income stream. Mm -hmm. So I translated our, our, I'm selling off my residential portfolio and moved it all into multifamily apartment complexes. And I chase yields. Uh, I don't care if it's sexy or not. I just chase yields and how hard does my money work? Mm -hmm. And so that led me to the path of mobile home parks. And I just saw it as a better investment in so many different uh, ways. And so I bought a few apartment complexes and now and strictly mobile home parks. And now Evo Capital, my company, um, we're now doing some syndication. Uh, we just mm -hmm. recently do, did a few syndications. So. I love mobile home parks. Uh, I have never invested in one, but I I, I looked at numbers all the time. I uh, and uh, yeah, they're just phenomenal. But tell us some of the reasons why uh, you think mobile home parks are one of the the best investments that you have. Yeah, um, I think the the low hanging fruit here, Eric, is is that from apartment complexes you have a lot of turnover, and with mobile home parks, there's a lot less turnover. Mm -hmm. There's a, some stat that about fifty percent of uh, people who've been living in mobile home parks have lived in their home for more than 14 years. That's consistent cash flow. I love consistent cash flow. So, um, and then your repairs and maintenance are a lot lower, A, because uh, we only own the land and not the mobile homes. The tenant actually owned their own mobile home. So they fix the problems that arise. So we just own the land. Um, <clears throat> secondly, or thirdly, it's less competition. There's more stigma around it. It's, um, you know, given my poker background, there's something that I really learned. I'm not the best poker player in the world. I never wanted to be, and I never actually cared to be. All I cared about was what was called game selection. What games are you playing and with who? And that's all I cared about. And this is kind of how I, I, I do my real estate investment, game selection. Uh, I can operate in secondary and tertiary markets. I can operate under institutional money. Not everybody is chasing this, so there's less competition. Yeah. And there's higher yields. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not as appealing. It's not as sexy to everyone else. And that is where I make my money. Yeah. yeah, that's true. In terms of turnover, I mean, even though they're called mobile homes, uh, they don't move. 
Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> or they rarely I mean, move. <laughs> in practice, it they, they rarely move. I mean, it does yeah. happen, but they rarely yeah, yeah. move. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so that's definitely turnover. I mean, they it's their home. They just they live there, and this is their neighborhood. Um, the yeah, the the land is basically owned by you, and land is uh, relatively uh, cheap to uh, to maintain. Mm -hmm. uh, you may have amenities like laundry area, uh, pool, and that kind of stuff. The other thing too that I like is some of them, uh, you have the opportunity to own some of these mobile homes and rent them out as well. So That's if you true, have yeah. a lot, you, you are able to just buy a, a mobile home and then rent it out for additional revenue. Mm. You also can expand, like so a lot of them have extra space, extra, uh, extra land that they have undeveloped. Uh, there was one place near Seattle that I was looking at and they, they only half the land had been, uh, had been developed. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, wow, this is like, this is like, this is a gold mine. It's just like, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't buy the gold mine, unfortunately, because it, to me, it was like in the middle of nowhere. It was like south of uh, Red something. I forget what it was. Yeah. Red, Redmond or something like that. And um, so I was just like, it seemed a little bit too far, far away from everything. It was in the woods and all that. Mm -hmm. But um, so that's why I didn't invest in that. But this is another potential as well. You have additional land that you can develop, additional development that uh, you know it's, you don't have that in an apartment building is very hard to uh, it's very yeah. rare let's just say and very, very very rare yeah exactly mm -hmm. so so that's great yeah so lots of, and this is great because this is value add so you seem to be focused a lot on value add and mm -hmm. really getting the max out of your the maximum out of the uh, of the property or the investment that you do so yeah it's a great I think strategy I think in the traditional sense, the value add in mobile home parks are to find something that has very little vacancy, let's say 50% occupy and 50% vacancy. And then you go and find mobile homes and you put them onto the park. We as Evoke, we actually have a little bit of a different model. We, we don't look for that. We're, we're just, we're, our expertise is, is operations. We're, okay. we're great at operations. Uh, we will do some infills. Um, but typically when we're dealing with these secondary nutrition markets, we're still operating with mom and pop sellers so their mm -hmm. operations are just a little bit haywire to put it yeah. for lack of better terms yeah. um, and so we go in there we clean it up and it's you know uh really great business because typically the market rents are so under and we have so much room to grow now i do want to say that with a caveat there's a lot of operators out there that go and pop up rents a hundred percent fifty percent we oh, do really? not we oh yeah we we definitely do not do that we do steadily increases where our typical average raise is about 30 to 35 dollars per year mm -hmm. because there are some predators out there yeah. um, but still even then um let's say for example you find a property that has a lot value of or lot rent at 300 even if you're raising the rents 30 dollars per year you're still increasing the the rents by 50 percent over five years yeah. that's a massive increase yeah yeah right mm. so that's our uh -huh. there's our value add yeah, no, that's not very good. And so Evoke Capital does the syndication of these um, of these deals, these mobile home communities. Yes, only mobile home parks, and we just started syndicating. Okay, well, that's great. Yeah. So I want to go back to professional poker player and how I'm sure this can apply to business and how people. I mean, to me, it's all about risk management, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, we're in a kind of a weird economy. And uh, how does a poker player think about this, about the other, the inflation hand and the, the interest rate, the Fed, how they're going to play their hands and all that kind of stuff. 
So how do you see um, the world, the economy, and how do you play your hand when you're looking at uh, what's going on? Yeah, I think that's a really great question. And, and I think my answer is going to be oversimplified, but I'm just going to go ahead for it. So yeah, inflation you know, here. I mean, it's like an obvious no-brainer. We printed so much money. I just, I'm shocked when people are shocked that inflation was going to happen. Mm. We knew that this was coming. Um, and we knew interest rates were going to come so that we can try to get out of some of our debt. Like this was just things that were concrete and was going to happen no matter what, mm -hmm. you know, when on, on, on a macro level, I guess, from my, the way I look at things, just because of my poker background, I take things as they come. Okay. And so right now we are in an inflationary period. We all have due interest rates are rising. So the way I look at it is, you know, I think there's, two camps right now, people who are still buying because they're still attached to the same values that were about five, six months ago. And they're like, hey, there's some good deals right now. And there's some who are thinking this is doomsday scenario. I'm pretty even killed emotionally always about my investing. And so I am still actively calling brokers every single day, mm -hmm. trying to find deals because at the end of the day, a good deal is a good deal. A good cash flowing deal is a good cash flowing deal a good deal that has still lower market rents. And, and because of the area that I operate in them, which is more of the lower income bracket, I still have a lot of room to grow where I would say uh, my risk is leveraged, right? Or, or deleverage. And so, but uh, when these multifamily, like a, uh, a class properties, oh, yeah. you have to be a lot more careful. Yeah. And so I choose to operate in an area where there's less risk long-term. And I am always strictly a long-term investor. I'm not looking to get in and get out. I would mm -hmm. be nervous as an operator if I did that. So these things always happen. I think, hey, uh, we're in this period. Let's be a little bit more careful just for short-term volatility. But because I'm a long-term holder, Evoke, my, what we do is we, we hold for the long-term. We don't mm -hmm. try to flip it real quick. And because of that, we're still going to be buying. Yeah, yep. I totally agree. I mean, I'm a longer, long term uh, thinker and investor as well. I mean, this is even though I make some short transactions in the meantime, but uh, I'm always thinking long term. I'm yeah. thinking about multi-generational wealth. Uh, a lot of my time is spent on, on that part of it. Uh, so I'm not thinking just myself, my kids, but I'm thinking about my grandkids and uh, kind of how that's how that's going to affect them. I'm, I'm really setting them up for, yeah. for success from that perspective. Of course. There is this quote that it just, it, it stick, stuck with me. One of my mentors said this, and he's, I'm talking about uber successful, worth a B. And he just said, Pasha, get rich slow. There mm -hmm. are no shortcuts. Get rich slow. Don't try to find the, the you know, the, the one gem property or this one gamble. Just get rich slow through real estate. Learn how to recycle your money tax-free. Learn how to keep multiplying your properties and your assets. Because what's going to happen is no matter what, just the way our economy is set up, we have to print more money to create more GDP. And it's actually lopsided. It's like a three to one ratio for how much we print to what GDPs grow. So when you have these oversimplified models, you just say, oh, I, oh okay. Like in, in my opinion, then I'm just going to go buy good assets and let time do the work. Mm -hmm. Let Get rich slow. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And especially in, I mean, you're looking at people that were trying to make money quickly in cryptocurrency and yeah. stock market and all of that. I mean, these were great markets, but you have to think about, you know, if you think like a poker, you want to make sure that, you know, you kind of, you want to take some of that money off the table and then, uh, you know, you let it ride, let the rest of it ride. 
And um, I don't know if it's really a poker thing, but <laughs> it's <laughs> well, a gambling thing in general. Yeah, I think. <laughs> it, it really is. You know, I think you and you bring up a really good point in poker. You are trained mentally to understand that short term volatility does not matter. It, you just, it doesn't because sometimes a 5% will get there. You put in your money, right? You shoved in and that person hit a 5% chance to suck out on you, right? You, you just are absolutely trained not to care about short-term volatility. And that is how I look at everything. Because if you make the right decision over the long period, that's what sets a good poker player and a bad poker player apart. Mm -hmm. And I will always make good long-term bets. And that's how I look at my investing. And that's how I look at all my properties. Oh, this is a very good, this is very good uh, because this is a very good quote. I think you should write that down in your book uh, <laughs> because I think, because people think that, oh, I made, uh, I made a bet. Uh, I made a decision to invest in this thing and this thing failed, right? So I made a bad decision. I made a bad decision on that investment, but sometimes it's, you made the right decision, but the environment, blah, 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 some things happen. And uh, yeah, it turns out that you lost some money uh, in the this year or next in over the two year period. Mm -hmm. It's still a good decision. It's still yeah. a good decision long term. Yes, it sucks right now, but long term, this is this is the right decision. And I think that's where people kind of get lost a little bit. Is that oh, I invested in in this single family rental, and then oh, the tenant moved out, and you know, I had to pay two thousand dollars in in. Uh, to, to clean it up and stuff like that and just like oh you know it, it sucks yeah. but that is still a good investment it's still a good to 20 years down the road 10 years down the road you're going to look back and say oh i'm glad i have this property short-term variance should not matter yeah it, all so you're I, caring about if you zoom out on a graph it's just everything kind of goes up pretty mm -hmm. slowly right yeah. but and, but when you zoom in really really deeply it's a, a there's so much volatility and, and yeah. that's kind of a with 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 poker, same thing. Also, yeah. you know, I learned in poker that if you make a bad decision, because it will happen, you will fail. Like you yeah. have to fail to get better. Um, you, you have a peer group to say, Hey, did I make a good decision, bad decision? And you just, you learn and you grow from it. Yeah. 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 That's, I think that's very good. Put that in your book, please. <laughs> yeah, <I will. laughs> the other thing too I want to talk about is kind of like the A class. I mean, I'm all I invest in B and C class, kind of what we call the workforce housing. Yes, uh, this is great, and I think a lot of if you're stuck in the A class in luxury kind of uh, housing, when the economy, when a recession hits, a lot of these people are going to kind of like move down towards mm -hmm. the B and C class. So this is something to keep in mind as well. And this is why we invest in the B and C class. When the, uh, when the recession hits, the B and C class, they get very strong and they're very stable. But the A and luxury kind of like rentals, then they kind of, it gets a little bit harder for them. Uh, even the luxury homes also get, uh, you know, their prices drop a lot faster than the B and C class homes. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah, but it, you know, it, it's true. You just got to understand your own risk profile and understand mm -hmm. who you are because some people like that risk profile. They like where in, in an appreciative market, they're capturing much more appreciation, right? And so it's just, it's a different game, but I'm with you hundred percent. I like to mitigate my risk and that's why I work in workforce housing. That's why I'm in yeah. mobile home parks as well too, because my risk is mitigated. I may not capture all top side, top side appreciation, but I'll capture 75, 80%. But on the downside, I'll essentially stay flat and be totally fine. And mm -hmm. I sleep well at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. 
you meant so you mentioned uh, also kind of like uh, mentioned bad decision or something good decision that turned turned bad. Uh, you <laughs> mentioned also that throughout, throughout your investing life you were broke more times than you could count. <laughs> uh, so and I'm always fascinated by that because I, I keep seeing like people that uh, like massive real estate investor that had like billions of dollars in investment like uh, in Canada or the U.S. and then they go completely bankrupt. And then five years down the road, they're back up to where they were. And it's like, yeah. how does that happen? So, mm -hmm. uh, so how did you go through some of these times, these difficult times where you were broke and then you kind of like, okay, regroup, come back. How do you get, how do you get back on track? I mean, yeah, I would probably bet that I've been broke more times than any other person you've had on your podcast, just because of my poker background. There's mm -hmm. been nights where I've lost 150% of my net worth, which is what Whoa. we call tell. Yeah. You know, it's, it's pretty brutal. Right. And then, and then I would owe that money and I would have to, you know, work it off or play more poker and pay the person back. Um, I have just learned thick skin. There's like, when you have goals in life, you just have to pick yourself up. I don't have a magic formula to say, Oh, I did this, 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 I just said, okay, I reset, I reset it a lot. I, I think the word here is just resilience, right? Mm -hmm. If I had to describe yeah. my life in one word, because you just have to regroup and say, okay, where am I right now? Get a baseline. Where do I need to be? And then now I have new information and I just, you put one step forward and you just kind of keep growing and you kind of keep growing. Um, and I had a lot of these emotional, like not emotional, like these financial swings in poker. And that's, that's why I got out of it. But anytime you take a loss, you learn from it. You pick yourself back up and you just keep going forward because we're still alive. We're still human and we still have a lot of time. And I think, I think truly, truly people underestimate how much you can create in 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, and, and giving the examples that you were talking you, about. Earlier, you're the proof of that. I am. Starting I am in 2011. Yeah. Yeah. I wrote, I have a, I have an interesting uh, story in 2011 uh, actually, yeah, 2011, I actually wrote my goals down, my 10-year goals. I had a mentor that said, write down your goals, not just what you want to be doing, but very vivid, the smells, the people, how much you have in your bank, what you're doing, everything down to a T. And, and you have to understand at this time, I'm still working on myself. I'm still learning how to be Pasha, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and when I moved from my, my previous home to this new home, I found that journal. I had accomplished everything in seven years that I dreamt that if I accomplished this in my life, I'd be happy and set forever. Now things, obviously the goalpost keeps moving forward. Yeah, just, yeah. I can't help it, you know, yeah. but it really is truly astonishing what you can create. And I, and I'll tell you right now, I feel like I could have created more. I could have applied myself more, but mm -hmm. you know, it's not complaining. Yeah. So what do you think is the, the key really to, to resilience? I think, so let's say, you know, all, you know, it's terrible economy, uh, economy, and then you lose everything, you lose all your assets, you lose your money. Um, you know, like, how do you get back on track? What is the one thing or a few things that that you would need in order to kind of like get back on your feet stronger yeah. than you were before? I think, okay, first of all, to, to come back stronger than you did before, you have to create a baseline. You have to say, hey, the past is the past. Sounds very cliche, but it is. Um, you you got to take inventory of yourself and say, this is what it is. What are my new goals? 
What do I have to accomplish now? You have to forget about your previous goals, write down some new goals, and you got to stop making slow progress. I'm a, I'm a big momentum person. If mm-hmm. I'm not progressing, I am, I literally feel like I'm dying. Mm-hmm. And I, and that's just the way I've trained myself to be. Yeah. So for me, it's just about picking myself up and making new goals and hitting new targets, whether they're pro- smaller, but it is a snowball effect, man. I want anyone to hear me here. It is a snowball effect. Start hitting those smaller goals, but make sure you know what your, your, your 10 year goals or your bigger goals are and work yourself backwards towards that goal. Um, but it's, it's all about taking one step forward. And that sounds cliche, but it's just the truth for me. You pick mm-hmm. yourself up, reset, you keep going. Yeah. So what, if you were to uh, talk to uh, people right now that are kind of like a, they, they want to get started, maybe it's in, uh, in the real estate uh, investing or mm-hmm. anything like that, and then they want to, um, so, so what do you think they would need to know? Or it's a mindset thing. Is it like, yeah, what, I, maybe it's more a mindset thing. Maybe it's uh, some uh, skills that they need. What do you think they need to, to know and write down on paper or something like that to kind of like set themselves on the right track to find the path forward that's going to be good for them? Yeah. Let me tell you a, a funny story. When I first got started getting into real estate investing, like my first, first, I was like, you know, I'm going to do this. I, I was living in Vegas. Uh, I don't have my license yet. I just figured, hey, the, things are for sale. I walked up to somebody's house that had a for sale sign on it knocked on the doorbell and I, he opened the door and I'm with my buddy, my buddy standing up like behind me. because we wanted the same goal. I was like, I want to buy your house. And he goes, and I'm a young kid. And he goes, okay, where's your broker? I'm like, what's a, a broker? Like, I don't have one. He's like, are you qualified? I'm like, qualified for what? He's like, for a loan. I'm like, no. He's like, well, how, you have cash. I'm like, no. And I look like such, I mean, to me, I was just like <laughs> dumbfounded. But that was the first thing I did. I said, oh, I need a broker. Oh, I need to get a loan. How do I do these things? So it was like, I was learning as I was going because I knew I had the goal in mind. So one is just don't be afraid to, to, to fail, right? And yeah. at the end of the day, people are so scared to put themselves out there, but like no one's going to remember, right? Like who, who yeah. cares? Um, and then on the mindset part, look, um, I'm going to refer back to my, my poker background. In poker, if you're not aggressive, if you just sit back and do nothing, you get blinded off. This is like the best analogy for life and creating goals that mm-hmm. I could ever think about. If you're playing a poker tournament, which a lot of people have, if you don't make any moves, if you're not getting cards, it's not coming your way. If you don't try to be aggressive and steal some pots and try to mix it up, you're going to get blinded off. And that's like mm-hmm. such a good analogy for life, in my opinion, because you have to get in there. Now, the great thing about real estate compared to poker is that poker is a game of incomplete information and you're always guessing. But in, po- or in real estate and the internet and all these podcasts, there's so much information out there for you to go and make good investments. Mm-hmm. Go figure out what your goals are. Go get some education on it. Understand your numbers and go and attack it. And one thing, lastly, I want to say about this is when I first got into real estate, because I wasn't such an analytical uh, brain or I, I don't have a, such an analytical brain. I, I held myself back at first, but I just put the effort in to learn the numbers down pat to go after it. And now 
I'm able to work with a team where I can just really go be with people, go be with investors. And I have people who are better than me and that's mm -hmm. totally okay doing the numbers and the analysis and whatnot. So mm -hmm. no, that's great. I think when you're talking about the incomplete information, I think, yeah, I mean, definitely poker it's uh, is, you know, you have definitely a lot of incomplete information, mm -hmm. real estate and a lot of investors too. We also have incomplete information. Obviously we have way more information, right? We have access to, you know, Zillow and, and Redfin and all that. We have way more information and we can get more information, but there is still incomplete information. You're never going to have a hundred percent complete information about certain things. And, uh, but it, I think it's, what's important is that, you, you can still move forward. I mean, you, you can't wait to have all the information and then, you know, that all oh, the interest rate gonna go, it's gonna go up and the interest rate is gonna go down or, you know, or how long is the recession gonna be and blah, 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 you know, that kind of stuff, right? Right, in that context, I, I absolutely agree with you. But in mm -hmm. the, I think the way, when I was reading it, in the context of, if I'm gonna go buy a home, I can have complete information because I can go do my inspections, I can get 99.5% yeah. of yeah, what yeah, I need true. to do to make that decision. But absolutely, if you're sitting on the sidelines afraid about what the world's going to do and what's going to happen, yeah. then, you know, you, you just can't think that way. That's analysis paralysis. And you'll just, you'll get blinded off and you'll lose yeah. all your chips in the long run. Yeah. yeah. And I think in terms of failure, I mean, I think, I think people are kind of like, they're afraid to fail. I think it's important to fail. But I think what's important is like, like fail, fail small, fail with small things at first. And that's why I recommend a lot of people do like single family rentals or something like that. And yeah, if that doesn't work out, yeah, you lost some money, but you didn't lose like millions of dollars and you didn't put yourself into, you know, put your whole uh, house at risk and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Just fail small and really just put an offer on a house, you know, and then, you know, and you, you're going to get your EMD back and stuff like that. You're going to get familiar with the transaction and that, oh yeah, I did get my EMD back. And, mm -hmm. But then do, do more, do more transactions and then make sure that uh, it's going to cost you a little bit of money, but you're going you're gonna to fail small. You're going to feel more uh, comfortable. And then eventually you're going to get more, it's going to become more familiar for you to do the bigger transaction, you know, just yeah. a transaction with a little bit more zeros at the end. It's, yeah. uh, you know, the same. You know, it's, it's interesting. Everyone in multifamily says like every summer I've ever been to, they're just like, start off big because it's the same exact amount of work because you know, this and that. And I just say, yeah, there's a little gray area there. If your mm -hmm. risk profile isn't there yet, start yeah. off small. I, I completely agree with you. And just know that you're going to get to your goals eventually because mm -hmm. time, like there's so much time to, to do this. So yeah. go start off with a single family, go start off with a duplex and work your way up if that's what you want to do. I do agree though with their state saying it is the same amount of work. Whether mm -hmm. you buy like a 200 uh, unit mobile home park or like a 50, it's the same amount of work, just different zeros. Yeah. But I had to work my way up. A lot yeah. of people had to work their way up on this and go fail small. Eric is absolutely correct. Go make mistakes, but I actually would uh, advise, and this sounds cliche, it's not a mistake, it's an education. Mm -hmm. And you want that education, absolutely. And you're going to keep working towards your big goal. I've had a lot of education. Yes. So, have you, I think. so 100%. <laughs> and you have to, you're going to, like, 
do not think you're going to get into this like realm and this, this field without making some per- their perceived mistakes, mm-hmm. but uh, they're just a, gr- a growing uh, tool, you know, yeah. just like a growing toolbox of, yeah. of growth and things that you will not do next time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You mentioned a couple of times uh, the word mentor. You had mentors for uh, throughout your life. Uh, tell us about kind of like the importance of, of mentorship to you. Yeah, I mean, there's one point where I don't know shit, right? Like, <laughs> this is the cool thing about real estate. Um, I am not definitely, I'm not the smartest person in the room ever. I always try to absorb everybody else. I'm always trying to learn from everybody else. The coolest thing about real estate, Eric, like this is like the one thing I love about this industry is that everyone's willing to help each other. That's everyone's true. always willing to mentor the next generation. Yeah. But, but what's astonishing to me, and I'm not kidding you, I have offered to mentor at least probably 50 people in my life that are close to me and people, and I'm talking about these 50 people are like, I'm definitely going to do it. I'm going to hit you up. We'll start next week. Like, I'm really going to learn from you. Like yeah. that kind of enthusiasm. And I'm not kidding you. One person hit, took yeah, me up yeah. on that. And that people person followed through. Yeah. No one wants to. It's crazy to me. It's crazy yeah. to me. Like I have so many mistakes that you can learn from and not to do. And I have a formula that just works. And so it's really up to you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's true. I mean, this is about, again, about taking action, following through with your goal. Yeah, I mean, I talked to a lot of people too, then they want, oh, yeah, yeah I, want to, I want to mentor you. They set up a call and then we talk and then just like, yeah, no follow through. Yeah, They don't you know, show think- up even for the call. It's crazy to me. It's yeah. actually astonishing to me. There's this, um, there's this thing that I do to, I don't know where it came from, but I just, I've always asked myself what there's, there's, I think everyone asks, sorry, everyone asks themselves, what do I want to do? I always ask, what will I regret not doing? Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I always work from the opposite down and I hate to sound morbid, but I just, I know I'm going to die one day. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I, I do love biohacking, I'm going to try to live as long as I can. <laughs> Because I know I'm going to pass away one day, I never want to look back on my life and say, I have regret or I wish I did that. Uh It's just a more powerful question to ask yourself. If you're going to regret not getting into the game and not doing your first property, just know at some point you're going to massively regret that in your life. Yeah. Yeah. I was at at a conference in... um... Uh, in uh, San Francisco last was it last week or two weeks ago mm-hmm. and uh, you know everybody went to the question about kind of like uh, was okay what would you die for well I would I would die for my family I would right. die for my country and, and then you just flip the question around and said what would you live for and just like and everybody's like wait this is this is completely different but Right. Yeah. Everybody's willing to die for things, but you know, what would you really live for? What would be the thing that, that yeah, would drive question. you to live a better life? Yeah. And uh, that was not so, so easy to answer. And tell There's one more thing I forgot to add uh-huh. about mentors. When I first got my education about real estate investing, I went and volunteered for a mentor of mine. He's like an uncle to me for three months mm-hmm. for free. I went to LA, got a place to stay. And I just mentored for free. I'm not mentored. I was just a, a intern a, kind of thing. Intern for three months. And I just did whatever he wanted me to do. And once a week at the end of the week, he would just have a sit down with me. Hey, what did you learn this week? What, what are some questions you have for me? And that was it. I just met with him for one hour once a week, but I got my education in his business and I volunteered my time because education is 
and experience is the most important thing that you can do. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's the best way. I mean, there's a lot of courses out there, a lot of things going on, but to me, a mentorship is, is so much better because it's just focused. It's kind of your personal coach. I mean, this is like, it's focused on you, your need, where you want to go, as opposed to a bunch of information in all kinds of different directions. I have like five coaches in my life, probably even more. I mean, I believe in the power of coaches. I believe in the power of the Mm -hmm. mentors always. Yeah. Well, Pasha, it was a very interesting, a great conversation. So thank you very much for your time. Is there anything else that uh, you, we didn't touch on that you want to mention before we wrap up? No. I mean, if you ever want to get in contact with me, you can go to my website, www.evocapital.net. Um, mm-hmm. You know, other than that, nothing yeah. much. I really appreciate being here. I really hope I did some kind of impact for anyone that was listening. And just know I, I was there. You know, if you're thinking about doing something, you don't know how to do it mm-hmm. i was there like i was i was easily yeah. there 10 years ago yeah 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 exactly and i yeah, thank you for being transparent also about kind of the personal aspects of your life i think that's going to help a lot of mm-hmm. people kind of know that there's a there's a bright side there's just like keep at it and uh, take action a lot can happen in 10 years man a yeah, lot exactly well thank you pasha yep. have a good day thank you eric Thank you for listening to Break Away from the Rat Race with your host, Eric Martel. If you want to share your story and experience with our listeners, please message us on Facebook at Break Away from the Rat Race. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast on iTunes.